Hi, my name is Jenny Kwong. And I'm Nathan Taylor. Welcome to ArtsLink on CJSW 90.9 FM in Calgary on Treaty 7 lands. So Nathan, what do you have for the, us this month? Well, Jenny, for the spooky October Halloween season, I figure that ArtsLink is going to go and see about Frankenstein, which is uh, going to be happening, uh, performed by the Alberta Ballet at the Jubilee Auditorium. And before that, I have my interview with Justin Manyfingers, Artistic Director of Making Treaty 7 Cultural Society. Justin talks about a new dance theater production called 509. The show is about what happens when passing into the afterlife according to Blackfoot belief. So here's Justin. Today I'm with uh, Justin Manyfingers on the phone. He is with the Making Treaty 7 Cultural Society. So uh, I guess introduce yourself and what you do at the Making Treaty 7. Uh, my name is Justin Manyfinkers. I am the Artistic Director of the Making Treaty 7 Culture Society here in uh, Calgary. And we are located uh, downtown on uh, 1st and 2nd at the Grand Theatre, our new home. All right. And and what is it that you do as, a, as um, the Artistic Director at the making Treaty 7 Cultural Society. My honor of uh, sitting in this position is um, really looking at the Indigenous artistic landscape, whether if that's uh, film and documentary, uh, theater, dance, visual arts, uh, music, um, workshops, um, uh, opportunities to create space for truth and reconciliation conversations. Um, and so... Uh, a part of working with the community is really kind of seeing what the what the want and and the need is from both the community and from the artistic community, and trying to merge those together and trying to um, uh, create space so that we can have dialogue um, with within our city, but also you know when we're looking at the the Treaty Seven community, which is you know the Stony Nakoda, the Sutina, Siksiga, Bagani. Kainai. Um, so it's it's a very vast area that really covers southern Alberta. And so what we do is uh, try to bring those conversations to the city, but also bring the conversations from the city out into the community. The Making Treaty 7 Cultural Society has been around for a few years. It began with the inaugural production, Making Treaty 7. And so can you talk about a bit about the history of the society? Yeah, so Making Treaty 7 was... Um, um, was a legacy project that was stemmed out of Calgary 2012, uh, quite a few years ago. And um, the city um, really saw a need for uh, understanding of the local Indigenous people as the information has um, not really been there or available. Um, one of the um, one of the founders and uh, artistic producers was Michael Green from One Yellow Rabbit. And he was uh, involved with Calgary 2012 and uh, really wanted to kind of lead um, what this might look like and working with other uh, First Nations communities of Treaty 7. And so it this thing just, it took off. Like no one had really no idea what we were doing, uh, what was going to happen. And uh, so um, in that um, really birthed a an organization. And so it was always making Treaty 7 project. Um, but the bigger it got, it, it it needed 
its own organization. And uh, then that's what stemmed out of it was uh, making Treaty 7 culture of society. And so this was working with uh, uh, First Nations artists um, and uh, non-Indigenous artists and working with the communities um, to hear uh, our sides of 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 the treaty. Um, I'm Blackfoot from from Kainai, and uh, I've I've been with the company from the very very beginning. Um, so it's been also really great to kind of grow with the organization, uh, you know, as an emerging artist and now sitting, you know, in the position where uh, Michael was and uh, and Narcissus Blood, who was also a part of the community, and so when this happened, it, um, you know, it was before Truth and Reconciliation Commission. It just started just before Idol No More. So we really had uh, kind of that leeway in Canada of this conversation or a structure of how to even structure this conversation. And it, it really brought up a lot of uh, excitement um, and, and hardship. It was, um, you know, a lot of the truth that uh, Canada didn't, didn't really know yet. And so, you know, to be a part of an organization that really kind of stemmed um, how those conversations can look like through an artistic point of view and bringing a community together, both Indigenous, non-Indigenous, um, in in cities, in, in local towns, um, you know, it's, it is quite an honor to still have that going. And as we're shifting and, and shaping and transforming into, you know, the next stage of of its life um, has been quite something to to be a part of, but also to lead. Can you talk about the show you are uh, currently rehearsing that would be uh, produ- uh, that would be shown in October? Yeah, so five hundred nine is uh, is a story of a young man who is uh, of a modern day character um, who finds himself in this uh, in this weird uh, time warp zone. Uh, and is not quite sure what's happening, and meets uh, one of the uh, meets the character of of uh, the Blackfoot trickster, which is Nappy. And Nappy is, you know, who really fosters this this young character into um, into a specific direction uh, of this place of the living and the non living. And so this is kind of bridging, you know, a cultural story that uh, that has been around for so long. Um, and kind of the, the the modern take on what that might look like. And so this is a production that I've been working on actually for about eight years. And uh, it was um, of uh, a personal experience uh, that really kind of sparked the, the creation of this, of, of the devastation. And uh, it's a cast of four. Um, and so this is like a, a very experimental, um, what is in, Indigenous dance theater, you know, uh, when we're combining all these disciplines uh, and looking at it from a cultural uh, aspect of uh, a culture that has those songs, has those dances, um, you know, has that language and those texts and the story within that. And how does that look in this kind of modern uh, form that is inspired by uh, by Western techniques and and presentation of what we know as, as a theater? Uh, and so it's really kind of looking at how this could possibly exist and live. Let's talk about a bit about your artistic background and how you able to um, merge uh, the different traditions you learn as well from the different uh, parts of the world. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, So I come from the Kainai uh, Blood Reserve in in southern Alberta, and uh, so I was born and raised, and um, um, the arts somehow found me. Uh, I've never actually really had an interest in arts, and I, I didn't even know what arts was. But I just kind of found myself in uh, in in this opportunity, and so that led me to the Center for Indigenous Theater, which was in uh, in, in Toronto, and it's a three year conservatory program that really focuses on Indigenous artistic discipline. And so from that, uh, I was exposed to a lot of uh, music and dance and theater. Um, but coming from a cultural background, it it didn't make sense to me why uh, Western artistic forms are isolated from one another and uh, those disciplines never really kind of talk to each other so you know we have dance schools we have theater schools we have music uh, schools or conservatories uh, either post-secondary post-secondary or conservatories and so that always kind of intrigued me and also it you know when we're looking at the indigenous canon of work that's created uh, through throughout the, the Canadian history uh, in in this specific form there was not many uh, stories from from the west uh, blackfoot or uh, stony or, or dene and you know this is my community this is you know the place i grew up and so it was a bit strange not to kind of come across um you know, works like that, you know, we have like Thompson Highway, you know, we have, uh, uh, you know, all, all the actors that kind of stem from making trees, uh, sorry, from uh, Center for Indigenous Theater, um, uh, like Thompson Highway, Graham Greene, uh, Tantu Cardinal, uh, Jennifer Prademski, and, you know, so those are the ones who really kind of led the way for Indigenous uh, performing arts. Um, so that kind of led me further into my, my, um, my curiosity and studies. So uh, over the course of five and a half years, I focused uh, my studies in uh, theater, uh, dance, and music um, in both Indigenous and West Western uh, uh, forms of training. And so I ended up at Soul Pepper at the Academy and was a part of the company for about a year and a half and, you know, trained alongside um, School of Toronto Dance Theatre when I was there and uh, the uh, International Indigenous Programs at the BAMP Centre. Um, and so, you know, I went hardcore in it as much as I, I could because I just needed to learn everything. So I, uh, you know, studied, you know, Monday to Saturday, minimum 10 to 6, uh, 12 months of the year for five and a half years. Um, and so that curiosity really... Um, gave me a lot of skill sets. And so that's what really kind of brought me around the world. And I was always interested in working with other Indigenous cultures and uh, and organizations. So that led me to, uh, you know, Japan and, and Thailand and Australia, New Zealand, Greenland, uh, up, up north of Canada and Nunavut, uh, across Canada here, uh, and, you know, some parts in, in the States and, and in Mexico. And so that four and a half years of just traveling and working and kind of gaining, you know, even more um, accessible knowledge within other organizations, um, you know, that was really great. Uh, and so I, I kind of got tired and I was like, well, I think I need to rest and where am I going to put down some roots? Um, and then I needed, to, I, I just, I needed to come home because all of the um, 
stories I started creating and as I started jumping into directing and choreographing and, and writing and, and uh, story creation, um, it really kind of led me to uh, this new part of my journey. And so that has um, perfectly somehow aligned uh, within the universe of um, having this position at Making Treaty 7. Um, this, is a, this is a position that I've been always kind of working towards and never really saw myself here. Um, so, you know, I was always planning, you know, maybe 45, 50 years old, maybe, you know, I would start uh, kind of diving my roots into being an artistic director. And so uh, when I applied for this job, I was 31 years old for this. And um, yeah, so that's uh, a part of uh, a bit of that um, artistic history that I have there. Back to the production, I guess, talk about the artists you are working with with this production. Um, so the artists we have uh, uh, bring so much different uniqueness um, to this project in their artistic uh, art forms that that they have personally dived into. And so, uh, you know, we have uh, Zachary Running Coyote, uh, who just graduated from the Rosebud uh, Conservatory here in Alberta. Um, we have Christopher Majaki, who also attended Center for Indigenous Theatre, uh, who's actually Ojibwe, uh, Ojibwe Nishnabi, and uh, has also done uh, the National... Um, uh, oh, sorry, my apologies. Uh, uh, the National Theatre School in Montreal and recently graduated from there. Uh, we have Elizabeth Ferguson, who's Blackfoot, um, who graduated from the U of L and uh, has been working with Making Treaty 7 over the last year. And uh, we have Ayla, who's this really brilliant uh, kind of uh, modern contemporary uh, performer who's uh, from Edmonton. And uh, so bringing them together, you know, it brings so much uniqueness. And, you know, this production is... Um, it's not a linear story, so it's, it's again, it's very experimental, and so um, it's experimental in terms of um, the Blackfoot ideology of uh, of cultural uh, performance, kind of in that world of what that is, and so this is very unique, and so this is you know even though it is local, and you know this art form has lived within this area for a minimum of 13,000 years, it's still so new to Calgary. So I'm very curious to to see um, what Calgary thinks of this and our communities, um, but also thinking about, you know, what that experience is going to be like for the ones who come from these communities and, you know, trying to bring that language back, trying to bring that cultural aspect of it and bringing those stories back to life that have been silenced uh, from genocide from Canada for, you know, minimum 150 years, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's there's so many great uh, stakes that are at play, but it, it's it's the best stakes possible. And, you know, you have a very good steak dinner <laughs> if you come to the production. All right. Uh, that's all the time we have for this uh, interview. Thank you very much for your time, Justin. Thank you so much. And uh, I look forward to, to seeing you. That was my interview with Justin Many Fingers, Artistic Director of Making Treaty 7 in Calgary. The show 509 will be performed October 8th. So I'll, I'll do that again.
That was my interview with Justin Lenny Fingers, artistic director of Making Treaty 7 in Calgary. The show 509 will be performed October 10th to the 18th, 2019 at The Grand. The Grand is located downtown at 608 First Street Southwest in Calgary. To purchase tickets, visit makingtreaty7.com. 7 is a numerical number. So, what's next, Nathan? Well, I think coming up next is a little bit of a musical interlude. This is from Brandon D. Camillo. He released a single、uh, a while ago、uh, called Halloween Foot Fetish. And basically, this guy just drops down、uh, improvised rhymes just like that. And I really like this one.、Um, it is,、uh, it's very silly. And、uh, I guess I'd like to just play it for you.、Um, CGSW、uh, respects and encourages、um, fetishes of all kinds, just making sure that they are consensual. I hope you enjoy. <laughs> Trick or treat, do you have a pair of sweet feet for me? Pretty please. I want to suck off the toenail polish and I'm first in line. Oh, jeez. You see, I came dressed as Boba Fett so you wouldn't forget and we wouldn't have a problem. When I hold open my pillowcase underneath the mask is a very happy face. To find your uncle's toes inside, he sticks them in from the bottom and he hides all his conscience as he tucks them away. I suck and suck and then I say, Were you marinating them in Epsom salts? I suck them, it's not your fault. Tasty rough ass corns and calluses. I don't mind, it's in my palace. It's the place where I want to find a big old chomping taste of your toenails. Soft, soft like a chicken noodle soup. Dip them in, use my face as the scoop. The jack o' lantern spooky tonight. Stick your toes in his mouth and extinguish the light. They'll hang me by my ankles like a scary bat. Then dip me out inside the top of the jack. And in the bottom, your dwindling dedos will find. And I'll suck them in my boca tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Who gets away with murder these days? Walking the streets with shoes and sandals and socks. To disclose the taste is a crime. You ought to just be right up front. I want to suck them. Mansion or hut, palace or chalice, squeeze the juice. Fresh cheese on the side, turn me loose. <laughs> I want to bite them. Nothing scarier than a hawk toe. Be fright them and be dazzled. Bubble tape or razzle? Sneak it in the movie theater. I'm on the floor. I slither like the Grinch. Do you dare ask for more? Your toenails will be devoured. I pray to God you haven't showered. Happy Halloween. <laughs> From his 2012 single Halloween Foot Fetish from Brandon DiCamillo. All improved all the time. So, coming up next is my interview with、uh, Jean Grand Matre, and he is the director of the upcoming Frankenstein The Ballet. Here's my conversation with him. 
Yes, I am Jean Grandmaître, Artistic Director of Alberta Ballet, and I've been Artistic Director of Alberta Ballet since 2002. So, uh, to start off, um, I'd just like to say that I haven't seen a ballet for a long time. It was uh, in grade school, um, The Nutcracker, not knowing what to expect. Can you tell us about what we're going to see uh, when we see uh, Frankenstein as done in ballet? Yes, I mean, ballet is an art form that has really evolved since the 19th century, and uh, most people uh, connect ballet to Swan Lake and classical tutus, which is still some of the greatest masterpieces in the history of our art form. But there's a lot of innovation that came to dance and theater and most of the performing arts since then. And so now we're able to create ballets using technology, multimedia projections, uh, really uh, powerful aesthetics that are contemporary and connect with also younger audiences. And we've revisited how we create narrative and dance. And so Frankenstein is basically uh, a contemporary retelling of the story set in our modern time. And so Victor Frankenstein is from a very rich family in West Palm Beach. He studies at Harvard, where he creates the creature. And then he takes his wife far away to Jasper, on their honeymoon, uh, trying to keep her safe. Uh, and then it ends in the meteorological station up in the northern Yukon instead of a ship's uh, caught in the ice. So we had to rethink the whole concept, but uh, still capture the essence of what Frankenstein really is uh, and remain intact. But we really believe that by revisiting dance and revisiting ballet and how we create stories, we can actually uh, connect much more profoundly with a new audience in our time. And I'm curious about where and when you got the idea of uh, working on Frankenstein. Well, we knew that uh, horror ballets do very well with audiences like the Nutcracker at Christmas. And we know that uh, there are audiences for very contemporary ballet or very classical work. And sometimes the audiences have crossovers, but most times uh, it's a very distinct uh, uh, type of patron who comes to the contemporary ballet. And so what we've been doing is working uh, for the past 10 years with singers like Elton John, who collaborated with Elton and Joni Mitchell, and many famous pop singers to bring a new audience to the dance. But we've also realized that we can uh, create these types of horror ballets and bring the audience as a, a type of portal to bring them to our art form and understand what we do. And so it's uh, Frankenstein's perfect because it was uh, one of those masterpieces of horror. Uh, I always wanted to explore that genre in choreography and theater. Uh, it's very rare you see ballets uh, inspired by these types of stories. So it was, for me, in every way possible, a very exciting challenge. Well, uh, I'd like to ask you, just maybe as a quick diversion, are you a fan of um, the... There is that genre of horror movie musicals. It, it, did you come from appreciating that in any aspect? The, the musicals? Yeah, like just give, give an example. I'm not particularly like Rocky Horror Picture Show, but something like Repo the Musical. And, um, uh, you know, just coming to appreciate that there, yeah, there, there is this uh, audience for, you know, very rambunctious, uh, happy, uh, you know, uh, very musical uh, stuff that has a, a pretty nasty um, concept to it. Well, yes, sometimes people say that comedy and horror are brothers, you know, and there's something about that that's very true. They're very close. And they're actually the hardest kind of performing art to create well, especially in dance where you have no words. Comedy is very challenging. And so is horror because you don't have all the tricks that cinema 
possesses, you know, the close-ups and the, the, the soundtrack that can really make you jump in your seat. And so with the, the performing arts, usually the actor is much further away from you. And so you have to create a new kind of horror. And I think this is where you realize that uh, for any choreographer of, of my age, I'm 56 now, it's a wonderful challenge and it's bringing me in a completely different new place. I, I um, not knowing much about it uh, still, I'm excited about seeing this this concept. Um, now, to uh, sort of just continue on the thread about Frankenstein I- itself as a concept, uh, can you speak to um, just how ahead of uh, her time Shelley's creation was? Well, what's ex- what's exciting about exploring Shelley's world is uh, is that how close she was uh, to what was the real challenge that we were facing as technologies uh, expanded and everything was uh, really out of control. And we know, I've been reading lately, that there was uh, genetic engineering done between human genomes and rats uh, in some countries. And you're hearing about these uh, freak stories coming from many places in the world where there's probably no regulation or control over scientific research. And so science tends to have tunnel vision. And I think Mary Shelley captured that already in 1818, which is extraordinary. Uh, and at the same time, there's this whole world of a God. Uh, you know, the, what she said is that if you can give life to dead matter, there is no God. We live in a godless world. That inspired me very much, uh, the theme of uh, of a world where we, we, we basically, this is it. This is what we're going to experience, and then we're going to go away forever. Uh, and so that was fascinating to me that she already explored these themes in that time, which might have been... Uh, sacrilegious. And then there's this idea that man has taken over the power of creation from women, uh, the power of birth. Uh, And that was fascinating coming from a female writer. That point of view was fascinating for me as well. Uh, So there's so many social aspects, philosophical aspects, uh, aspects of uh, ethics that are a part of this novel that you wonder how she captured all this 200 years ago, because last year we were celebra- celebrating its 200th birthday. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, so on that note, I- I'm kind of curious. I mean, do you think that uh, we have, culturally speaking, been able to escape the, you know, Boris Karloff uh, concept of Frankenstein's monster? Well, that's an interesting question, because when I started researching Frankenstein, I found out that this film, although it's an, a, ma- a masterpiece uh, in its own way, had nothing to do with the original story, really, except for some moments. And uh, she describes the monster as being very agile, can run up a glacier very quickly, row a boat across uh, a waterway at extreme speeds. So you're, you know, I realized that this was a discombobulated creature, uh, a very, very deformed uh, being who is absolutely good when he is born. He has a good soul. He's actually vegetarian, only eats up and berries and and uh, wants to do good, but because of his uh, ugliness, the world shuns uh, him, and then he becomes hated and angry and violent. But um, you know, Guillermo del Toro is a huge inspiration for when you're dealing with monsters and monster stories. He has a lot of um, reflection that he's made upon these themes, and he shares them generously. And in the last preface of the bicentennial anniversary publication of Frankenstein, there's a whole preface by Guillermo del Toro, which which he describes the monster as being the most beautiful and moving of all creatures. 
because he was good when he was born and he didn't ask to be born. And so uh, in some ways you reflect on your own humanity because none of us have asked to be born and here we are. And so there's uh, some profound thinking going on. And I, I've been telling my staff at the ballet and the dancers that if, if you want to come just to see a Halloween show and bring your date and have a great time and see a beautifully stunning production, uh, very avant-garde, you'll enjoy the show. But if you love horror in a much more deeper way, uh, there's going to be some meat on the plate for that type of fan as well. So I guess I'd like to ask uh, you about uh, the staging of the performance itself, the aesthetics of it. Well, it's interesting. I have five designers who are working with me. Many of them are from the Cirque du Soleil. Uh, one of them, he's from New York. He's one of the best video projection designers in the world right now. Uh, costume designers. We have soundtrack. And so we've been able, by the by the time we decided we were going to stage Frankenstein in our time, that changed everything. There were no more top hats and horse carriages. <laughs> it was really cell phones uh, flying around the, the continent and uh, really trying to figure out how these metaphors could be transposed to our time, which was so exciting to do. And so these five designers and I have come up with this concept, basically, that it begins in front of a home, not in Geneva, but in West Palm Beach, and the Victor goes to study at the University of Harvard and the medical department. And so we were now we were creating these streets in Boston, labs in our modern time. Um, we had to create a, a very uh, bourgeois home in, in, in the Florida, which is more tropical setting. And uh, when Victor meets the creature, he's not on an iceberg in Chamonix. He's more on the beach. In the, by, along with the moon and the, the ocean and infinity and the creature. And so it was uh, thrilling because the designers started coming up with many ideas how we're going to create a meteorological station in uh, the Great North and how we're going to create snowstorms. And uh, it's just fabulous because now working with projection and soundtrack, you could do anything you want and you can really create any space you want on stage. And so it's enabled us to to really be free in our thinking and then to bring it all back together into a tight vision. But uh, the music came second, which is uh, an array of contemporary composers from rock bands to orchestral music from Jim Copperwaite to Max uh, Richter and uh, bands from Europe that are really unknown here. But the, the soundtrack designer is a genius. He, I've worked with him now for 30 years and he basically came out of the National Theatre School, so he has a theatrical vision of narrative, not a ballet vision. So he's able to bring me in a much more theatrical space. And uh, so it's, it's really exciting, because as soon as the spark is lit, then the story and the narrative and how we're going to tell it uh, comes to life. And then we get in the ballet studio, and then you create on these wonderful dancers. And then when you're on stage, you put it all together like a complex puzzle with lots of computers, and when you press the button go, you hope it's magic and uh, and that you've respected the great literary work of Mary Shelley, uh, who has inspired so many different visions and stories and TV series lately. But it's certainly, I think, still today uh, more relevant, if not more, than when she, she wrote the story in 1818. That was my conversation with Jean Grand Matre. He is the director of the upcoming Frankenstein, The Ballet. 
This is going to be taking place at the Jubilee Auditorium from October 23rd to 26th. Then it moves up to Edmonton from uh, Halloween night to uh, November 2nd. You can check out information at albertaballet.com. You can get your tickets at Ticketmonster. And uh, if you show your post-secondary student IDs, you get a discount. Also, uh, seniors get a discount for this as well. Thanks to our interviewees. We'll talk to you folks again in November. See ya.